if the community banks, the regional banks are out there telling their business community, help me help you, you know, I want to help you. We helped you during PPP, give us more of your business. We can do more for you. We can, there's just a, you know, for me, it's a golden opportunity and I'm just afraid if they don't move, it'll slip through their fingers. to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, who believes there is no better time than now to educate and empower financial brands to gain a fresh perspective around future growth opportunities. That's why today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series, brought to you by Nimbus, who offers a complete set of tech, tools, and services, all designed and engineered to empower you and your financial brand to maximize your future growth potential. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 145 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Derek Corcoran to the show. Derek is the Chief Strategy Officer at Numerated, a digital lending platform for business banking that dramatically reduces work for financial brands and their clients by using data. Welcome to the show, Derek. It is so good to have you on today. Thanks, James Robert. Always a pleasure to talk to you. It always is. And before we get into this idea of optimizing digital banking and digital lending for SMBs, what's going well for you right now? Personally, professionally, it is always your pick to begin. Uh, I'm going to give you both. I'm going to give you one of each. Um, on the professional side, I'm four months in with the team of Numerated, and I'm really excited. We, we have a mission to ensure that businesses have access to the capital that they need in order to thrive. And, you know, when I look at my personal life, you know, in the community I have here, I've got somebody who looks after my bikes. I've got a couple of sushi places my kids love to get dinner from once a week. And I need those businesses to, to continue to succeed. I don't want it to be, you know, Amazon and Walmart and Whole Foods and that's it. You know, we need those small businesses to succeed. And, you know, we, I'm loving working with a team that's really focused on that. On a personal note, um, I'm really looking forward to Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, I'm actually going to get to spend, I'm going to take a week off while the kids are out of school and spend that time with them. And uh, hopefully here in beautiful Colorado, we'll get a bit of snow and get to enjoy that uh, on the mountains. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about a lot of things. You know, well, I'm right there with you both on the family front uh, and then as well as talking about this idea of small to mid-sized businesses and what financial brands can do to continue to empower and elevate them. I'm right there with you. Like small business, mid-sized, that's the backbone of all of these local economies, these communities, and it creates diversity. It creates a, you know, it gives a lot of flavor to, to just the life. And if we lose them because they don't have access to capital, they don't have access to future growth. I don't know, man. I'm not, I, that's, that's the future. I don't want to see. I want to see something bigger. I want to see something better. I want to see something brighter, which I'm grateful for the work that you and, and the team over at Numerated are doing here. And a lot of it comes down to experience, right? And, and I know Shevlin, Ron Shevlin, who's, you know, good guy. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. Uh, he wrote a very interesting article in Forbes recently titled The Rise and Fall of Customer Experience in Banking. And I'm going to quote him, and I want to get your take on this. He said, financial institutions that cling to the belief that improving the customer experience 
in parentheses, and this is his, whatever that is, is the key to winning customers and differentiating differentiating themselves from their competitors are misreading trends in the market. And so I know CX and customer experience has been something we've been talking about for probably a good past 10 years in this industry. I know you have specifically. I want to get your take here because there's a lot of talk around like brands like Zappos and and Ritz-Carlton. But what does this mean to a bank? What does it mean to a credit union? And how does Ron's thinking play into all of this here? Yeah, mutual respect for Ron. Uh, I love his work. I, I love the fact that um, you know he's being very honest about the the banking and fintech. And you know fintechs are not going to eat the banks. The banks are it's it's expensive and complicated to be a bank. And he's been one of the people calling that out. But um, on the customer experience side. You know, that's, that was my gig at, at Avoca. I was the chief experience officer and at Temenos, chief experience officer. So I've really spent a lot of time thinking about this. And I have to say, I literally had like a light bulb moment one day when I realized there are two types of customer experience that, that we have as consumers. Those centered around the things we want to do mm. and those around the things we have to do. So, uh, you know, you talk about the, the Ritz-Carlton. I remember that famous example of the giraffe where um, the, the stuffy, you know, somebody left behind a stuffy at one of the hotels and they took photographs of the stuffy getting a massage and on a sunbed with a cocktail and mm-hmm. in one of the golf carts and stuff like that. And it went viral. And a lot of the um, organizations like banks looked at that and said, how do we emulate? And my advice to them has been, you can't and you shouldn't because there are two types of customer experience. The things I want to do, like go on holiday, go to the cinema, go to a restaurant. Those are things I want to do. And I want them to be delightful experiences. Then there are things I have to do, like going to the dentist, paying my taxes, and I hate to say it, banking. The the things I have to do, I want them to be efficient. So I want the experience to be really quick and painless so I can get back to the things I want to do and I've got more time for that. Um, So I still think customer experience and banking is critical. I just think that, you know, that the idea of creating these delightful experiences in banking is completely overrated. Um, I really think we need to be, you know, focused on the jobs that people have to do and try to make it as efficient as possible. And TurboTax is a great example. If you look at their website, their tagline is tax filing made easy. Yeah. Jobs to be done. That's that's been a subject that we've talked about on previous podcast episodes because it's it's so practical, right? Like experience can be very like up in the clouds, but when you're focused on the jobs to be done, you're also focusing on what are people's biggest pain points, what's frustrating them, and how can we make life even better, or in this particular case, even more simple going forward. And 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 you make a good distinction between these two types of experiences: the things that I want to do versus the things that I have to do. And what Brian Claggett has always said is banking is a chore and you know we both have kids and i think about my kids you could put as many golden carrots out there as you want to the chore is always going to be a chore but i think the more that we can simplify we're all going to win going forward i want to dive deeper into this this focus around cx specifically when it comes to business banking when it comes to business lending what should financial brands be thinking about to simplify a business owner's life over the next really, I would say three to five years, if I was to give a horizon line here? Yeah. When I think about my experience working with banks on the personal banking or or retail side of the the house, 
you know, they've, they've had a huge focus on fast account opening. It was, it was what I was selling on as Mocha and uh, things like instant decisioning on loans and the fact that the bank is available 24 seven. But when you're a small business owner trying to bank for your small business, it's not a happy environment to be in. And small business owners are the busiest people in the world. You know, I read a survey that said 33% of them say they work in excess of 50 hours and 25% work more than 60 hours a week. Uh, you know, I to can, put that in context. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can. Exactly. You know, we've both been in that situation where we've been part of small businesses and, and seen the, um, the, the time that it takes uh, to run that business effectively. And I, I kind of, I, you know, I can't settle on a, on a verb here. I don't know if they want, they need, or they deserve digital convenience. But for most of what a small business needs to do from a banking perspective, it requires visiting a branch. And guess what? The branch is open the same hours that they're working their 60 hours to kind of run their business. So it means they actually have to stop what they're doing and go into the branch in order to get access to things like the capital and the accounts that they need in order to manage their business. And that, that to me, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, so I need banking in order to run my business because that's what I want to do. But in order to get the banking, I need to stop running my business and come in and visit you and give you 90 minutes of my life so that I can get this done. So I, I think just recognizing that is the first thing that the banks need to do to understand that, you know, you are an enabler of these small businesses in our community, but you're, you're not convenient at yes. the moment. So you make a great point, enabling, empowering, elevating small business. And, and, and you mentioned before the retail side of the house has been focused on this. Why do you feel up to this point, there's been a bit of a lag on the SMB front when it comes to simplifying life for the end user in this particular case, a small business owner? I think there are a couple of reasons that have been contributing to it. First of all, uh, business banking is more complex. So I'm not just dealing with an individual, I'm dealing with an entity. The entity is made Good up point. of individuals. Sometimes the entity is owned by other entities. So in order to meet my KYC and AML requirements, I need to kind of traverse the org chart of ownership, you know, to make sure that I'm not banking a business that could be a front for some criminal activity or, or something like that. Um, so it is more complex um, for, the, for the banks. And to an extent, the, uh, the technology to do things like identity verification and credit checks and so on on businesses has not been as effective as it has been on the consumer world. But that has caught up. So th th that those investments have been made. Platforms like ours leverage those connections into, you know, LexisNexis, Small Business Financial Exchange, the SBSS. There's all these services available that we can bring together to actually help the bank know the business that they're about to bank better. And the second has been around relationships, where the bank has felt that it's really, and I'm using bank as a proxy for bank and credit union here, so apologies to my friends in the credit union sector. Um, we, we know that credit unions are making a lot of investments into um, into the business banking uh, sector at the moment as well. But um, they've been really focused on these relationships and which I completely understand and I, I, I agree with, but there's also a big difference between a small business saying, hey, I need a $15,000 bridging loan today because my largest customer was late paying me and I'm gonna run into trouble just me meeting payroll. That's a different type of product and a different type of transaction to 
hey, I need $250,000 to buy my partner out of the business because right. I don't want to be involved anymore. So that's maybe something that I do actually want to sit down and have a conversation with a banker about. It's like, you know, is, is this the right thing for me to do? What kind of rates and terms can I get on the loan versus I need $15,000 cash now, you know, really quickly. And we've kind of had, you know, when it, when everything, when all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And that's typically been the approach that the banks have taken is they've got one path that they're going to put all of those conversations, all those transactions through, and it's sitting down with a relationship manager in a branch. And that has opened the opportunity for the fintechs like OnDeck and Cabbage and so on to say, hey, we can steal a significant and profitable chunk of this market. That's a great point you make about on deck and cabbage. And I mean, even seeing American Express and the acquisition there, I'm getting offers now via Amex through cabbage to get access to capital and not have to talk to anyone. It's a it's a really interesting play because they're now utilizing some data and they're seeing transaction history and payback history. And they're like, ah. Oh, Let's go ahead and give him something because we know that he's been responsible and he'll take care of it. And and I'm like, yeah, great. I mean, that's a growth opportunity right there. But I don't see that, say, at the relationships that I have at uh, the community institution. There's not that proactive outreach. What can the community institution do to bring their level up to not just be re reactive, wait for me to walk into a branch, raise my in my hand, say, I have a need, they can now come to me. And here's some offers that we have based upon what you've been doing. How can we help you get to the next level? Where where might there be some opportunities? So before we talk about the, the bank opportunities, I just want to go back to the fintechs for a second. One of the things that I encourage all of the community bank credit union listeners to your, uh, to your show to do is Every time they go to a merchant and they go to present their card and they see an American Express point of sale device, recognize you, you channel your inner Andy Grove. You're only the paranoid survive because American Express are going to be pushing the cabbage product offerings to that small business merchant where you're presenting your device because they cabbage now have that massive customer base. Yes. That American Express has access to and they're going to be channeling you. The other thing on the um, on the the fintech side, the the one that if I was a you know a bank owner that I'd be most concerned about is Square. Absolutely. Um, I did some research recently. I looked at um, uh, and we'll we'll talk about this maybe in a moment, but um, just to give you a quick snippet, um, I looked at the websites for you know On Deck and Cabbage and Chase Business Banking, and both On Deck and Cabbage are seeing more monthly visitors. Than, than Chase Business Bank. So the largest bank in the country has half the website traffic that someone like Cabbage has. Yeah. Hey, uh, sorry, Square. Chase has 1% of the monthly website visitors that Square has. And for <laughs> me, that's terrifying. Like I'm talking 300,000 unique visitors every month going to business banking at Chase, 30 million people. Wow. Going to the Square website. And Square are now a bank. They have all the products that you you know you could need. And if you want to apply for a loan with Square, you have to use them for either point of sale or payment processing. And by the way, there is no loan application. 
So they're using all the data they have about you. So James Robert, if you went to them and said, hey, Square, I use you for payment processing. I need a loan. They will immediately come back and say, you're pre-approved for $140,000. Yes. Do you want 140 or do you want 20? You're like, you can slide, you can move the slider. It's literally a slider to say, uh, 25 will probably cover it or maybe I need 55. So they've made it that easy. And they're using the transactional data that they're seeing, as you were indicating before, to already know that you're going to be a good customer. You're a good bet. You're a good risk. So the, the opportunity for those guys is huge. Now, on the flip side of that, right now, the community and the regional banks are in a really unique situation. 45% of the PPP funds that were distributed during the pandemic were distributed by banks with less than 10 billion in assets under management, who make up 15% of our assets under management. So 45% of the dollar value was delivered by the banks that make up 15% of our banking. Yep. So you could argue that they punched 3x above their weight. Yep. They stepped up and they helped the small business communities around them. We worked with a lot of them. We worked with 140 of them. We were responsible for 8%, so we saw a significant volume. But more importantly, within that $40 billion that we processed, we saw 140 banks work late nights, work weekends, do whatever they need, mobilize 70 80% of their entire bank to try and make sure that they could get the PPP funds in the hands of the small businesses. And as a result, they won massive mind share with those, that small business community. I have personal friends who have moved their banking from the big four to a smaller community bank because those community banks stepped up during PPP and helped them. So they've moved their checking, their savings, everything to the community bank. Now is the opportunity for those community banks to capitalize on those relationships they've built, double down, and grow their product portfolio. Today's episode of Banking on Digital Growth is brought to you by Nimbus, who believes in creating even better financial services for all. Better access, better experiences, better value, all while supporting the entire customer journey. And how do they do this? Offering end-to-end -end niche banking solutions that you can buy or build, providing accountability beyond the technology, and prioritizing impactful, intentional innovation instead of chasing features. Ready to transform what is and create what's next? Learn more at Nimbus.com. Yeah, you're 100% correct. Like this, this right here is really the success story, I would say, probably of the decade when it comes to the SMB, because this was a a paradigm shift before you know community institutions may or may not have been there you had the fintech coming in but it was the community institutions that stepped up to support the local community and if we can capture that momentum if we can ride that wave forward to me now's the time so what's the opportunity there as you look ahead out at the landscape over the next three to five years what are you most hopeful and excited about for community institutions to be able to do next when it comes to optimizing the smb lending experience digitize make yourself Back to where we started this conversation, make yourselves more convenient and easier to get in touch with. Make it easy for those small business owners when they're updating their finances at eight o'clock in the evening after they've put the kids to bed and had dinner with their family and they're sitting down in front of QuickBooks. Make it easy for them to say, hey, 
I need some help. I need some, you know, a loan. Or, hey, I've just had an influx of cash. I want to put that into a CD so that it's working for me. You know, make that available to them online. And just to give a little bit of context on the opportunity here, we did some mystery shopping at the, the 10 largest retail banks in the country. So Chase and B of A, Capital One and so on. Yeah, let's get into that because I mean, we do a tremendous amount of digital secret shopping for financial brands and benchmark them against fintechs to help provide some clarity and awareness. Because if you're listening and you have not secret shopped your your own, we'll call it website against a fintech or against a larger FI, you're, there's, there's probably some knowledge gaps there. But if you want to take it to the next level, then get some third party objectivity, whether it's consumers or, you know, someone like Derek who can provide you with that perspective because I've Derek I've heard this so many times especially on the SMB space James Robert we just didn't know what we didn't know and so yeah. let's let's dive into this because this is a personal passage subject of mine of, of looking at what others are doing to benchmark against so that we can figure out what we can do even better what did you find here and it's funny you bring that up because very often we have people with very strong opinions um, but they don't have any data to back up those opinions. And it's not hard to get that data. As you said, go on Mystery Shop, the ones that you think are your competitors. So what we found when we looked at the um, the, the top 10 you know, retail banks, specifically looking at their business banking, was on average, they have about 19 products that they're positioning. So across checking accounts, savings accounts, credit cards, term loans, lines of credit, um, government lending, SBA lending, and so on. There's an average of about 19. 19 on just, on just the small business side. We're not talking just the retail. Small business side. Got it. Just the small business side. Compare that to the fintechs, there's probably three products Simple. that they're actually touting. It's, they're making it Simplification. Really <laughs> and, the, and, and, and I wrote about this in Banking on Digital Growth. I mean, that is the, that is the ultimate paradox of choice. Like, it's going to yeah. Chick-fil-A and getting to choose from six, maybe nine different options versus going to the Cheesecake Factory and you get the Bible of food. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with that one. It's just too, too much. It's too overwhelming. Even McDonald's, they've moved to the the digital menus now because they have to scroll through the options. Right. So kind of, there's too many <laughs> presented. Um, and when we looked at the the 19 products, uh, if you split them into two groups, if you split them into accounts and loans, and in accounts, I'm talking checking, saving, CD, money market, and credit cards. And there's a bit of a dispute as to whether a credit card is a loan or, a, or an account. I've classified it as an account. Uh, 59% of them have an apply online option. In the accounts, 15% of lending products wow. have an apply online option. So there's a there's a big miss there from the big banks. Now, when I look back, I've I've done this research in previous roles. Let, let me let me pause you. I want to roll this back and I want to I want to sort of frame it just a little bit differently. 85% do not have and apply and apply online so like you said that's when you that's a huge opportunity it's a big miss right there absolutely term loans lines of credit uh, government lending all that stuff 85 percent do not have, of those products do not have any kind of apply online option wow and again when you think about it you know those situations where i just need some quick cash you know that this is something that you know w would help my business survive it's really critical that that stuff is available conveniently this is not like I'm not talking about the five million dollar commercial real estate loans because I want to buy a factory or something like that. These can be, you know, quite tactical, but really 
strategic and critical for the business and help the bank actually build a relationship. So you, there's definitely an opportunity there. And this is where we're seeing the, um, the, the fintechs kind of capitalize, you know, they're offering five to $250,000 loans with practically zero effort. Yep. Um, as I said, Square, there's no application form. I think it's Cabbage or no, it's actually on deck, I think, where you can connect your QuickBooks account and they'll just suck in all the data from QuickBooks to in or, enable a, um, an immediate decision. Now, the thing about the big banks, and I know this personally having worked for some of them and with many of them, is they don't move quickly. They're like the Titanic, they're these big lumbering giants. When they point themselves in the right direction, watch out, but they don't move quickly. So that is the opportunity, I believe, for the community banks and the regional banks is we can see where the data is pointing us. It's pointing us towards digitization of SMB, but they're not there yet. The smaller banks can leapfrog them. Yes. They've built great relationships during PPP, invest. Get yourself yes. in a position where you're actually ahead of the, the big 10. Yeah, as you're talking through that, I'm going to give some context as well of some of the things that we've seen when looking at, at, at secret shopping on the SMB front. Thought leadership goes a long way. So you take the online application and then you couple that with, for example, how to grow your business in Louisiana. I mean, that is a, a client of ours that we've coached them through this process and they are now generating MQLs, marketing qualified leads from small business owners who are downloading this guide. And it's about 50, 60 pages. It's a pretty meaty piece of content that I'm even saying, okay, well, what are the other opportunities here to continue to build around this idea of thought leadership? Machias Savings Bank, had Yuri on the podcast at the very beginning talking about building this idea of an SMB community and they were just facilitating all of these different relationships. Paul Long, he's a commercial lender too, doing the same thing. He hosts his own conference by himself as a commercial lender to bring together between 80 to 120 different businesses every single year. And so it's this idea of thought leadership, positioning expertise, which we don't typically see that at the big four. We are seeing more of that from, say, like a cabbage or an on deck with their content positioning, coupled with the fact of getting quick access to capital and making that super simple, super easy. So it's the experience kind of to bring this conversation full circle, coupled with expertise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of I get the vision of Tom Cruise. Jerry Maguire, the help me help you. Yes. Like, you know, if the, if, the, if the community banks, the regional banks are out there telling their business community, help me help you, you know, I want to help you. We helped you during PPP. Give us more of your business. We can do more for you. We can, there's just a, you know, for me, it's a golden opportunity. And I'm just afraid if they don't move, it'll slip through their fingers. Yes, yes. And, 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 you know, looking ahead so that we don't lose any opportunity. All change 
all all progress begins with a small, simple step forward. For the dear listener to make this very practical here as we wrap up today, Derek, what's the one recommendation that you would say, hey, this is the best place to start. This is the best place to begin to optimize this digital lending experience so that we can help to continue to empower and elevate these local businesses who need access to capital. I think if we can shift the thinking within the bank, I think that's honestly where it starts. I think, I I believe, I should say, that a lot of what we do from a business lending perspective started with the um, the loan officer. You know, we we thought about it from the from the back office perspective, Mm -hmm. and then we worked our way out. And eventually, we hit the borrower and went, "Oh yeah, we need to get this information from the borrower, but they'll do whatever we ask them to because they want the money." It's like they have too many options now. They've got too many choices. Like you, I've got young kids. I've got a family, and one of the um, spin-offs from Harry Potter, the uh, some creatures and where to find them. That movie, like, it, there's there's a guy in the in the movie who wants to set up his own bakery, his own cake shop, yep. and he goes and visits the bank manager. And this is set like early 1900s, you know, hypothetically. And it's just this horrible experience of he's sitting there, he's nervous, he's got his briefcase with his samples and he goes in and he's trying to pitch to the branch manager and branch manager's asking, you know, but where's the collateral? You know, how do I protect the bank? And so that's the old school way of doing business where you put on the suit and tie and went to go and visit the bank. The world has shifted and we need to make sure we're shifting our thinking in line with that. And we need to back to the customer experience conversation, make sure that we're focused on convenience for the borrower and the SMB. When you do that, they realize that you care about them and that you're actually focused on them. So I think if we can shift that thinking from the credit operations focus to a customer borrower experience focus and even a banker experience focus in the branch and how that feeds into the lending process, um, I think that will then open up the thinking to say, okay, how do we make this more convenient? But if we if we don't reframe the conversation, then we're just going to be throwing technology at something that's not ready for change. That's a great point. And in, in, in your analogy to that story about the bakery, it, it recalled a memory, the world's greatest showman with uh, with Hugh Jackman, similar narrative where he goes in and he's very nervous, you know, about this. And I think this idea of transforming the thinking, it almost, we can use story and narrative as, as a training mechanism and as a tool. And, and we do this. So this is something that I wrote about in Banking of Digital Growth called story selling. And to see a bakery, Bankers' mindset shift when they think that no longer they're they're the hero. They're not the hero, and I think a lot of bankers feel that they're the hero in the stories that they, that they play out in their own mind. When in reality, no, it's that SMB, it's that small business owner. They're the hero in the story, and then the banker or the credit union leader, they're the helpful guide, and they're the one who's guiding that SMB owner to continue to move onwards, upwards, grow their business take care of their family, and ultimately just get to a bigger, better, and brighter future. i got to tell you my little Hugh Jackman story. So um, some of your listeners will, will know me and that I, I lived in Australia for 18 years. And my, my wonderful, beautiful wife is, is Australian. And on one of our visits back to Australia, we were flying back to the US and we were in uh, Sydney Airport. And I pointed across the counter and said, look. And she looked up and Hugh Jackman was checking in at the Qantas desk. And my wife turned to me and said, He's even better looking in real life. (laughs) 
Oh man, that's a great story. That's a great story. Well, listen, this has been a fantastic conversation, Derek. If someone wants to continue the conversation that we've started here today, what is the best way for them to reach out and, and say hello? Uh, LinkedIn is um, is probably the place where I'm, I'm most active from a social media perspective. Um, and uh, they can also find me on the numerated uh, website. It's numerated.com. Uh, so think numerator and denominator from your, your fractions when you were when you were at school. That's us. And uh, yeah, we'd love the opportunity to continue the conversation. If anything, it's just to connect. You, you've, you've got such great thinking, Derek. I've known you for, golly, probably 10 years now, more or less, and have learned so much from you over the years. So connect with Derek, lear, learn from Derek. Um, and, and I think working together through collaboration, we can continue to empower these small businesses, elevate these small businesses to get the capital, the access to capital that they need through a simplified manner at a time that's easy for them through a positive experience. Derek, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth, buddy. James Robert, always a pleasure. Thank you. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, brought to you by Nimbus, who is on a mission to bring the people, process, and technology together to create new routes to growth for financial brands and enable them to deliver outcomes. To learn more about how you can collaborate with Nimbus to maximize your future digital growth potential, visit www.nimbus.com. Until next time, be well and do good.